Welcome to our live webinar about kindergarten admissions. My name is Andrew Eisen. I'm the director of student placement at Noodle Pros, and I'm joined today by Kristen Michelson, uh, one of my favorite tutors. Kristen is a kindergarten admissions expert. She does a lot of tutoring for younger kids, elementary students, all the way up to eighth grade. Um, what I love about Kristen is her knowledge and her enthusiasm, and it's a pleasure to be joined by you today, Kristen. Anything I left out? Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's great. Thank Excellent. you. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm very excited to chat with you a bit about the kindergarten admissions process, which to a lot of people is a mystery until it's not, until it's upon them, and then they have to sort of embrace it whether or not they're uh, ready. So today we're going to speak a little bit to try to give uh, our listeners a bit more knowledge about what that process entails, what it's about, why it happens, and, and how to approach it in the most effective and thoughtful way. So yeah. We'll start with the question, why is admissions testing necessary for kindergarten? Yeah, I mean, I get this from a lot of parents. Um, and even as a parent myself, I was like, this is so much for young children. But you really have to look at it as part of the overall admissions process. It's one objective measure that's not by a teacher um, that the children know or someone they've met before. Um, or a letter of recommendation, something like that from someone that knows a child. And it's meant to be kind of a picture in time, a moment in time. Um, people that are looking at these tests know that this doesn't define the rest of a child's life, but they're seeing whether they are at this moment in time to help them make a better decision about um, where they should be going into kindergarten. That's great. And how would you recommend parents explain the kindergarten admissions process to their child, to someone who's three or four or five years old, who's never even heard of admissions before? Right, right. And well, the one thing is, is that, you know, children definitely feel our anxiety. So also it's kind of, part of it is a pep talk to yourself as a parent, like it's going to be okay, whatever happens and young children are unpredictable. So going into it with that mindset, um, and, and all of your preparation um, makes it a lot more possible to be successful. Um, when you're talking specifically to your child, you wanna talk about how you're going to be visiting some really exciting new schools. And um, we wanna stay away from saying, oh, you're going for play groups, um, things like that, because the play group really implies, oh, this is kind of a free for all, we get to do whatever I want. You wanna emphasize that it's a fun, school that you're going to get to meet some of the teachers there's going to be other kids and you're going to be asked to do fun activities like you already do at school like maybe some reading maybe some writing playing together using blocks and clay these are the type of things that they get to do um, when you speak to them a little bit more specifically about any of the assessments um, you know, especially the TNE assessment that um, is being used now is a lot more developmentally appropriate. So they, it actually needs a little bit less preparation. Mm -hmm. um, but you want to give them <clears throat> this idea that you're doing your best job. You're going to get asked questions. You're going to be seeing, you know, interesting pictures. And teachers want to know what you have to say about these things. So whether it's at the play group or when you're taking them into a testing center, you know, which may be happening this year after, um, you know, with reductions in COVID, right. about we're doing our best job. This is one thing that I want you to really just think about your answers and do your best. So you're sort of setting expectations. You're trying to quell anxieties. Yeah. <clears throat> you're giving them some information so it's not a shock, but you're not necessarily over prepping them. 
What if your child does catch wind of your anxiety or manages to manifest their own anxiety? How do you, how would you recommend trying to offset that? Definitely. I mean, a lot of children put a lot of pressure on themselves, even when they're very young. Um, and that's just a lot, that's a lot from just their own personalities. But then a lot of kids see how hard we push ourselves. And so, you know, just modeling that we just want to do our best job while we're, tr we're trying, you know, this, these new games. So something that you can do even before the assessments is let's draw a picture of something. Okay. This is a lot of kids that kind of have perfectionist, perfectionist tendencies. Sure. Where like, this isn't great. I need a new piece of paper. So that's not going to change from one day to the next. But what you can do is say, you know what? We're concentrating on the process of this. This is fun. We're using so many different colors. When you're talking to your children, you're really focusing in on, you know, not always the outcome of the activities that they're doing, but the more you support just, hey, I saw you trying. Hey, thanks for that extra comment. Thanks for helping me. This idea of we're working together to get through this process and there's gonna be some fun parts um, and we just wanna keep trying to do our best. So, sure. so I think that would be kind of where I go with that. Yeah, and so in addition to tutoring, in addition to kind of addressing possible anxieties and setting expectations, what else should parents be thinking about in regards to kindergarten admissions before the process begins? Well, I mean, I think one good and bad thing about New York is there's so many other parents, um, most likely your children <laughs> that have children your age, right. that are going to be talking about it all the time. Um, an important thing to know is just that, um, you know, it's really more important about how you feel at a school. There's lots of people, you know, that may feel comfortable at X or Y school, but you didn't really love it and that's okay. Um, it's a long journey for our children, um, you know, in school. And this one placement is not going to make or break them for the rest of their lives. Lots of kids go through public schools and get into amazing high schools and amazing colleges. So putting it into perspective mm -hmm. for yourself as well. Um, and then, you know, do you see your family there? Um, it can be, is there enough diversity? Um, are you able to see that your traditions could have a place there? Do they want parent input? Do they want you to bring in your family, your family culture and your family structure into their school? Um, it needs to be somewhere that respects, you know, lots of different types of families um, and especially, especially yours. You're going to see that through the different types of people that are actually on the tours with you and the people that the schools choose to represent their school through the tours. Um, and, you know, also just thinking about um, just thinking about whether they are bringing up the most important things to you during the tours, the questions that other parents are are asking, do you have the same questions too? Um, you know, this is a community and independent schools expect you expect you to be involved. So you do you don't want to end up somewhere where you're, <clears throat> you're very hesitant to interact with the other, right. the other parents or families for one reason or another. And do you have advice for families who are fixated on one particular school that may or may not work out for the child? There's so many <clears throat> schools. There's so many schools. And I think the best thing to do is if you're really set on independent schools, apply to those 10 to 12 schools, apply to get to the talented programs. You know, right now it's really only Hunter unless there's going to be, um, as far as testing goes, right. um, other gifted and talented pro uh, programs in the city. We're gonna be learning more about um, how admission's going to work in the new year. Um, but I think that there's no one perfect place for a kid. 
Um, kids can thrive in a lot of different places. And also they change so much from one year to the next um, where we think they may be perfect when they're four. You know, we could be pleasantly surprised if we didn't end up at our first choice. And it was like, oh, wait, like they actually changed in that last year. They're right. actually a perfect fit here. And schools can see certain things and see certain signs of development that we're not always aware of as parents, even if we're in education. Yeah. Um, so there's no perfect school. And often you get um, like life lesson, lots of interesting opportunities at a place where maybe you weren't expecting to be. Yeah. So now let me talk a little bit about maybe wrap up this, this portion of today's interview. We're talking about timeline. First, the timeline for kindergarten admissions and then timeline for children of other ages. But let's say, you know, I have a four-year-old who'll be applying to kindergarten in the fall. What right. are those major dates? And what should I be thinking about in terms of timeline? So I'm not behind the eight ball, but I'm also not overly rushing and pushing my child to interview before maybe he or she's ready. Right. So as you come up to the end um, of the school year before you're applying, um, it's good to kind of get an idea of, you know, how they're finishing off that year. Um, with preschool, it is often a lot more of um, subjective reports, kind of what they're working on, all the social emotional stuff that, that is so incredibly important in life and in preschool is what you're going to be getting a lot of feedback on. Um, as you get closer to the summer, um, that's a time to start working a little bit more on the academic, test preparatory, playgroup preparation side. Um, we often work with families that get an initial assessment um, before maybe they go away for the summer. So sure. they have where their child is right now, because three months is a long time as well. Their child is going to grow regardless of if they have tutoring or um, you know, additional enrichment. They're going to grow in some ways just by getting older and more mature. But we have specific things that we want them to grow in um, over the summer and coming up into admissions. So it's great to have that initial assessment towards the end of the year, beginning of the summer. Sure. After that, um, you know, use some of those recommendations at home. Some of my families start every other week during the summer and then move to every week as we get into, you know, this, this time of year, July, August. Right. Um, so that the children don't feel like super overwhelmed when they go back to school in September, then add in tutoring or other preparation um, for their for their interviews. And then when should students be trying to interview? Is there is it an advantage to interview later in the fall or do you think it's smarter to try to get an early interview spot? Does it matter? I mean, I think it depends on the child. Um, a lot of, I mean, any evaluations that schools take, like the ISAGINI evaluations that teachers are asked to fill out, they need to wait until later in the school year just to fill them out because schools won't accept them earlier in the year. Um, so I think that if it's, for example, your child's first experience in school, try to push as you know late as possible for getting the interview spots. Um, if your child is on the younger end for their grade, um, push to get a little bit of a later interview spot. That being said, some schools have interview slots that fill up very quickly. So you have right. to balance it out with kind of pushing a little bit if you want it later versus, um, versus making sure you get a spot at all at some of the schools. So if I'm a, a slightly neurotic parent, I'm really trying to cross my, you know, T's and dot my I's, when should I be reaching out to the schools to kind of learn about their admissions window without being overbearing or crazy seeming? Yeah, well, there's um, usually, you know, fall is super busy for the independent schools because they're going through admission season. 
But in the spring, you can look on Parents League and the Isagony website, the Independent School Association of Greater New York website. Mm -hmm. There's going to be spring tours. Um, There's going to be access not to the applications until later in the summer, um, usually the end of August, right at the beginning of September. Um, But I I would say to to do spring tours where it's available. And a lot of schools do give spring tours. Um, They just get snapped up really quick. Um, And so that's just something to think about um, the spring tours the year before you're gonna apply. And in terms of timelines for other ages, right? You know, forget kindergarten, but just in general, you know, benchmarks, is there any, and maybe that's more of an in-depth question for another time, but you know, are there any kind of broad benchmarks or timelines or, you know, things you'd be considering even before the kindergarten admissions process? begins? Yeah, so I mean, when we're thinking about our twos and threes and fours, um, uh, twos and threes are a more traditional entry point. Children are normally at a preschool um, if they're going to go to preschool by the time they're entering pre-K. So for twos and threes, there's not really a lot of preparation. They're they're very young, um, and some of the schools actually don't even require um, a child interview at that point, they may just have the parents come in. Uh, so I think for that, it's more just having them in a program twice a week, maybe even once a week, you know, for our younger children, where they just get to feel the flow of school, and they call them like preschool practice. Got it. Um, okay. And they can like, they have circle time, they have snack time, they do a project. A lot of this is about learning how to transition and to be around other children um, in a way that's appropriate because a big thing about the first five years is just learning how to exist with other people in a socially acceptable way. Yeah, yeah, that's um, <laughs> yeah it's important. It's a longer, right? But I mean, <laughs> a little bit. That's the, that's the threat, the social emotional part. So I don't recommend like making them starting tutoring when they're two or, you know, memorization, like best things are through play um, and their curiosity. Like this is literal Curious George. My son loved him. We got got to Curious George store in Harvard Square. We had all the different books. He went maple syrup, syruping. We did that too. You know, things like that where (laughs) you make these connections come alive for them and they get excited because the excitement is what's going to carry them through. I know it's a big part of your tutoring as well, right? Is trying to figure out what those interests are to really. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say maple sugaring. I'm like, we could totally. Of course, too. Yeah, no, it's huge. That's (laughs) It's really important because you can teach a lot through different types of material. I'm doing a marine bio class with one of um, my students right now, and you can do creative writing through that. You can do actual marine biology. And when they're excited, that's when they're ready to learn. Not when they're in this fight or flight. I'm so upset. Right new. Now. I'm being judged, of course. Well, right. I think we're almost out of time. I do want to ask one last question. Sure. Any major, either major no-nos or major, oh, that's a really good idea as, as parents consider the kindergarten admissions process? Yeah, it's it's normally great not to bribe the kids, you know, before right. the long interviews. Right. Um, because there's a few things. One, they might say that to right. that would not be good. Play group. And the thing is, is like, you know, adults understand, right? Like sometimes kids need the rewards, um, but at the same time, they might want to rush through because I know if there's something on the other side of this 30 minutes that I really wanted, I may just rush a little bit through whatever I had to do and be, um, you know, not totally present. Um, So I would say that, um, and I would say don't, you know, 
don't give up on the play aspect as they're getting closer to kindergarten because they they still really need that to consolidate their learning and their social skills. So the more you do of that, complementing it with some more academic-based work, especially if your child's at a play-based preschool, then yeah. coming together, they'll be able to perform not only on something where maybe they have headphones on and have an iPad, but when they're actually with other kids and teachers in the classroom for those play groups. Sure. So it's important to kind of have that balance. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today. I learned a lot. I hope everyone out there did too. And um, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. And I look forward to meeting with you again in a few days to continue our conversation. We can just go from there. Yep. Thanks so much, Andrew. Take care, Kristen. Nice chatting with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.